Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want interdependent study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Damien, you are up this week. So uh, what are you bringing to the table today? I am. All right. So today I've brought uh, what we have been calling current events. Uh, that's what they are. Uh, to the table for us. Um, we're going to be talking about the recent passing and signing of the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, which officially makes lynching a federal hate crime in this country. Uh, here in the year 2022, lynching is finally a federal hate crime in our country. So, uh, I mean, that's incredible. Um, the The actual act itself was passed by Congress in late February by the House of Representatives and then in early March by the Senate unanimously. Uh, and then President Biden signed it into law at the end of March, so just about a month ago. And so... I found two articles for us in addition to the actual text of the law itself. And so the first article is a piece called Senate Passes Anti-Lynching Bill and Sends Federal Hate Crime Legislation to Biden by Peter Granitz on NPR. And the second piece was called Michelle Obama, Other Black Leaders Praise Historic Anti-Lynching Law. Some say more change is needed by Mark Ramirez for USA Today. So... Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this today, right? Like this is some um, really historic uh, legislation, right? And now law that um, I think I said this last week when I introduced this, but it took over 100 years and something like 200 failed attempts to actually happen, right? Yeah. Um, to, to make lynching a federal hate crime and to make it uh, the law of the land. So Let's talk about it. Like, where do you where do you want to start? And, you know, I don't know if it makes sense to do this, like to set some context. But do you want to talk a little bit about the law itself, like what it is and, and what it does? Sure. OK. Um, <laughs> so actually, the text of this law isn't there's not a lot. There's to not. It. Yeah. Um, I opened it up and expected a lot more. But that's because it builds on pre-existing hate crime legislation. That's right. Um, the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crime Prevention Act. Uh, and that adds in. Um, so this adds in definition of lynching, yep. um, some additional penalties for those uh, who are charged or found guilty uh, of, of committing a, a lynching, uh, which means future hate crime acts could be prosecuted as lynchings um, with additional uh, penalties right. um, for, for those crimes. Uh, and according to U.S. Representative uh, Bobby Rush from Ohio, uh, Illinois and his spokespeople, um, some examples from the last few years are the men who killed Ahmad Arbery could have been charged with lynching. Yes. Um, as would uh, likely uh, the man who murdered Heather Heyer by running her down in uh, a crowd with his car in Charlottesville. Charlottesville, yeah. Um, right. So, you know, there's some real life examples from the last few years that would fall under this law. So it is, um, uh, and, you know, it's connected to some, some, some real things that are that are still happening uh yeah right and i think that's helpful context to lay like in thinking about the fact that when we think about lynchings right like what a modern day lynching sort of looks like right and so we don't we're not really necessarily in 2022 um 
seeing folks hung from trees as we would back, you know, 50, 60 odd years ago, uh, more than that. Um, so I appreciate the context of knowing sort of how the law would apply to more recent and, and mm-hmm. relevant examples of, of violence that we've seen. Yeah. Right. Um, not too long ago. Um, yeah. So the thanks for that. I mean, I think this what it's what it is to me is it, it signifies a huge victory for social justice, right? And I think it's been sort of this this long time coming, and I, it's it's wild to really think about how long it took to happen, <laughs> right? Like, and yeah. so you you just mentioned the the act that um, this amends the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, which was it was signed back in law in two thousand nine. Um, and that actually amended that there was a 1969 federal hate crimes law. Um, and so it broadens the reach. It sort of each each amendment sort of broadens the reach of the previous. And um, I when I saw that, I, it sort of like took me back in time. Right. Like I remember um, Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. I remember their cases. They were really disturbing. Right. Yeah. Matthew was a. Matthew Shepard was a gay college student at the University of Wyoming, and he was beaten and tortured and um, left alone to die back in 1998 in Laramie. Is that right? Yeah, Laramie. Um, And James uh, Byrd Jr. was a 49-year-old black man who was murdered by, like, avowed white supremacists uh, in in Texas. Earlier in that same year, 1998, um, those white supremacists literally dragged his body for over three miles behind a pickup truck, right? Which over the course of those three miles, uh, James died. Um, and then they ditched his body in front of a church. If if I'm remembering it correctly, a black church. Mm. Um, right. And so like, I, I have visceral memories of those. I was a kid. I have memories of those sort of horrific events and they made national news. Right. And so I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the case, but with that, I think it's, it still took 10 years before the hate crime, Prevention Act that's named for them came to be, right? Um, which I think is just really sad to think about that these like, and not that, not to say that there aren't horrific things that happen almost every day, right? But these two things in particular, and the conversations that happened around them, like that, it took ten years to get this this act to be, is kind of shocking to me, and it reminds me of just of how slow these things happen um, mm-hmm. sometimes in our society, like how how painfully slow positive change can happen. Right. And so, you know, that was, and is the case with this act that we're talking about today, the Emmett Till anti-lynching act. Um, it, so, you know, I definitely want to talk more about history a little bit, but like, it's sad to think about how these things, these super important things, how long they take. Right. Yeah. I think the, um, you know, it's also, as you describe, um, what happened, um, to Matthew and James in those different incidents, they also, I think clearly the people um, who committed those crimes would be um, charged under this yes. new version of yeah, the oh, law yeah. as well. So yeah, it's it's it. Uh, it's hard to fathom why it takes so long for things to to work. Yeah. Um, through that seem kind of obvious to address. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Um, yep. There's a lot of reasons for that that we've talked about in a variety of episodes here. That's true. Um, yeah. uh, one of the things that I found that was outside of the two articles that you brought yeah. um, 
and the the actual text of the law uh, was a piece on Vox called mm. "What an Anti Lynching Law Means in 2022." Uh, which was written by Fabiola Cineas. Um, my apologies for that um, pronunciation if I got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and so one of the points they made in their piece is that lynching uh, as a word has been misused over the years uh, and lost some of its meaning. Um, so I think it's important to bring some meaning to it here just to set a little bit more context. Yeah. Right. Like, um, some examples that they lay out in in this article of how it's been misused um, was uh, Clarence Thomas during his confirmation hearings um, called what he was going through a high tech lynching, yes. I believe. Yes. Um, uh, oh, I forgot for about being that. yeah held yeah. held accountable for you know, sexual harassment toward Anita Hill, right? Um, and then um, like Trump called one of his. Um, impeachment proceedings uh, mm. a, a lynching mm -hmm. um so it's been used by it like just falsely yes um and his uh you know it's part of this article that i read was um that it's important to sort of ground yourself in what it actually means yes um, so rashad robinson of color of change said lynching wasn't just a tool of violence it was a tool of terror to suppress our will and our ability to engage yes. uh, many people who were lynched were people that white supremacists believe were operating outside unwritten and written rules for black people it was used to send a message to other black people to know their place mm. um so I thought that that was a poignant thing to bring in. Yeah, uh, he, he said in that article. Yeah. Yeah. And then Damon Hewitt, who is the president and executive director of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, said lynching for some people might feel like a word that is starting to lose its power because it doesn't feel real and present. But it is kidnapping or an attempt to kidnap. It is torture. It is the sexual abuse that come that sometimes happens when someone is kidnapped. It is murder. Um, so, you know, these are obscene acts of violence that are not necessarily happening in the exact same way that we have, um, that we, I think we think of lynchings in, in the past, um, right? But they're still really violent acts that are occurring uh, in, a, in a variety of ways. You know, I named a couple earlier right? Um, that are fairly recent. And so... Um, yeah, that that it's. I think it's important to sort of understand what I think this is trying to address. Absolutely right, and thinking about the idea that really, like with all things, things evolve, right? And so it's important mm -hmm. to be thinking about um, that and thinking about the what the idea and the concept of lynching has has evolved into, right? And so I appreciate. The, the definitions there and the sort of the context there. I mean, I, I said the word chilling. It's it's chilling to think about lynching as a tool of violence, right? Um, over history and in our in our present day, and particularly this idea of right, like back in the day, but even presently, like it being used to send a message to Black people, right? To mm -hmm. to know their place, to be put in their place. Like you know, that's it's true it mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's not difficult to hear and to sort of sit with right like it i mean it it had sort of a i just had a physical reaction uh, yeah. as you as you read it right and so um but to think about it in the sense of even what happened with uh, maud but also with heather right like uh -huh. that 
And that the, the, these are real sort of present day examples of what lynching is and what this what the the impact of this act and this now law will be right mm-hmm. um, for us in our in our present day society. So I, I appreciate that. I I mentioned I want to talk more about history. I also um, sort of consulted some other resources to take a look at like the history of mm-hmm. this act law. Um, uh, the first time that anti-lynching legislation was proposed was back in 1900, Aaron, 1900, yeah. um, by U.S. Representative George Henry White, who at the time was the only black member of Congress. And I, I looked him up because I hadn't heard of him. He was uh, what you might deem a radical legislator of the time, right, uh, yeah. because he was proposing, you know, lots of efforts to defend civil rights for black folks. Uh, what a concept. Um but at the time, what a concept. Uh, and, you know, he faced obviously a lot of, of uh, hate um, for his, his work and his beliefs. And um, he also just faced incredible backlash to this anti-lynching legislation from both his colleagues and the, the president at the time, who was President McKinley. Um, yeah. And so I think he had had sort of a career leading up to that, but sort of it seems like this... Uh, was the straw. Uh, and so shortly after all of this failed, he left Congress. But, um, you know, I think all this to say to think about where and when anti-lynching legislation started, right, from, again, being introduced in 1900 for the first time to, you know, we saw and we talked about the 1969 federal hate crimes law and the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act in 2009. And now we have, you know, this actual um, legislation as law of the land with the Emmett Till uh, act. Um, and, and you think about all of that and all the failed attempts in between to make lynching a federal hate crime. Like it, I feel like I have mixed emotions and I think this is part of what Michelle Obama tweeted out. And we saw this in the the one article, I think the USA times USA today one, um, where she talked about it being mixed emotions, right? Like it's incredible mm-hmm. that it's finally here and it serves as this way to sort of reckon with our history. But damn, it took long enough, right? Um, and we still have a long way to go in terms of the violence that we're seeing now and the violence we've talked about here on the podcast, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a long way to go. Um, you know, one of the things that I read, um, I think it was from the Vox piece, but okay. I might be mistaken, um, Was but this was from uh, Hassan Kwame Jeffries. He's a history professor at Ohio State University. Um, he said that this is important, it's monumental, um, and that it was possibly a way for legislators to claim they're doing something without tackling ah. the bigger problems that we're actually facing today. Yes, there it um, is. You know, he said a bigger movement toward justice would have been uh, to pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Yes. Um, you know, and I think if you tie that in with the history of um, policing in this country and how many... Um, lynchings occurred with the um approval yeah either explicit or implicit absolutely um of uh judges and uh law enforcement mm-hmm. um throughout our history like that that might be a bigger step toward justice um than um than this um, you know, not to diminish the monumentalness, not but at all. it feels like a way for legislators to be like, look, we did something. Yeah. Um, but they could have done, you know, this with the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. They could have looked at um, 
the Breathe Act that the Movement uh, for Black Lives has yes. um, also proposed and put out there. Um, so, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, it's mixed emotions. I, so I, I definitely feel that and hear that. And and I feel like um, this is something they could use to say, look, we are doing something. But yeah. ultimately, it's, you know... Um, Maybe half measures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it it it, it you know, you, you know, I try to I try to be a positive, optimistic person. Uh, sometimes when we talk about this stuff and we see the things that happen, it's hard to 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 show up in that way, right? And so, you know, on, on one hand, I want to hope for that this is a step in the right direction, and yeah, that more will come, and you know, but. Yeah, a half measure I think is a nice way to to, to put it. Again, not it's to a diminish. polite way to put it. It's a polite way to put it. Um, uh, and again, neither of us I think here are diminishing the impact of this and the 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 fact yeah. that it's it's much needed, right? But you know, you talk about our our elected officials and the work that they do and don't do. And I think one of the other things that is remarkable to think about and read about when it comes to sort of how and why it took so long to make this law of the land is the role of the filibuster, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and again, thinking about our elected officials back in 2005, the Senate did something that was, that is, I think still rather unprecedented. It issued a resolution to apologize for its lack of action to pass anti-lynching legislation. Right. And so, you know, let's talk about half measures for a minute. Yeah. We haven't done anything, but here's a statement about how we haven't done anything. We're so sorry. sorry. Like what? Yeah. yeah. How about just step up to the plate and do it, right? Yeah. But instead, the filibuster was there, right? And so, yeah. um, you know, these anti-lynching bills. They again, the first one was proposed back in 1900. There were several bills that were introduced in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, and many of those passed the House, but those bills never went to a vote in the Senate. None of those mm-hmm. bills went to a vote in the Senate, mm-hmm. and that's because of the filibuster, right? So yeah. either. Um, Southern senators either filibustered or even just threatened to filibuster the bill, and that alone killed those bills, yeah. right? And so I think about, you know, and as we try to always, you know, we talk about application here, we try to make connections to the, to, to present day things, right? Like I, I think about this as a, a yet another example and a long line of examples of how dangerous the filibuster is, right? And has been to social justice issues in our society, right? From voter rights issues to... Yeah. Uh, lots of voter rights issues, sort of all our, our elements of it, to fair employment legislation, to to these bills uh, around anti-lynching, right? The filibuster has been this awful weapon um, that has prevented us from making real change, right? And so, you know, again, it's glass half full, trying to be positive. It's wonderful to see our elected officials work together, right? And in this case, again, the Senate unanimously passed this. Yeah, that um, was surprising. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't expect to see that. Yeah, unanimously. Yeah. Uh, but half measures. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah. y'all apologized for inaction instead of just making some action happen. Um, it's wild to see that we're still dealing with the filibuster and all of this context that we're talking about, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, the filibuster is this like uh, heralded, uh, it's heralded as this deep um, Senate tradition, um, but it's really just been something that was developed, um, I want to say, in the wake of Reconstruction and Reconstruction sort of um, 
falling apart isn't an active enough way to put it. Yeah. Um, but you know, reconstruction as a concept being dismantled, um, as a, as a progress, as a process being dismantled. Um, so it's been used on laws like this, um, voting rights, like you said, progressive legislation that the house has passed just to stop things from happening. Right. Um, and it's a, it's a ridiculous anti-democratic practice that, um, probably shouldn't exist anymore uh, in the way that it does currently. No, not at all. So that's another piece of this that I think, you know, as we think about um, who our elected officials are and the work that we're holding them accountable to, I think, you know, uh, the filibuster is another piece of the puzzle and thing we need to be, you know, actively working to um, get rid of, right? Mm -hmm. and get rid of the folks who are uh, still in support of yep. it, right? Um, especially in thinking about, you know, its impact on anti-lynching legislation, its impact on our ability to get in really important legislation like the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act considered and, yep. and passed. Right? Or the John Lewis Voting uh, Rights Act, yes, uh, yes. the new version of the Voting Rights Act, too. Absolutely. Like the, you know, just as two um, small examples or things like the Breathe Act, which yeah. would also need some more support in the House, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's shift here, if that works for you. And talk about application and, and, you know, what connections we're making and taking from this work um, and to the work that we want and need to do. You know, one of the, one of the things that I kept thinking about as I reflected on the passing of this law, and I think our, I think our conversation today has reinforced this for me is the idea of the role and power that both white supremacy and the criminal punishment system have in our society. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think when you look at the history of lynchings in our country, the fact that for one, as you talked about so brilliantly, lynching was a tool of violence and punishment. Right. Two, lynching was a common practice for white supremacists um, and a sentence by the criminal punishment system. Right. To inflict said violence onto people of color, especially uh, black people. Um and I think third, uh, certainly not least, right? Like we know that in many places, lynching lynchings took place in broad daylight, and law yeah. enforcement looked the other way when it was happening, mm -hmm. right? Um, or, and cheered along, yeah. Or opened up the right, like the jail cell. Yes, um, right. Yeah. So, like, facilitated it in some facilitated way. it. Yeah. Thank you for that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So they were complicit in 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 this, right? Um, and so when I think about application, I can't help but think about all of our conversations and our and our commitment to the pursuit of abolition and and dismantling white supremacy, right? Because we we can see and we know that we know the atrocities, and that's probably not even strong enough of a word, that these systems can produce, right? And mm -hmm. so you know, I uh, I stand by the fact that I think this legislation, this anti-lynching legislation is important and I'm glad it's finally official in, in the law of the land, but most certainly we know the work must continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause this isn't, um, you know, this is a historic moment. Um, it's needed within the current system probably. Yeah. Um, and it's not abolitionist. It doesn't feel that way to me, mm. um, because, mm -hmm. uh, it's expanding the scope of federal laws. Mm. Um, yeah. Right. So that it's not not necessarily um, taking away power from the criminal punishment system in any any means. So um, sure. There, there's yeah, there's a lot in it. Um, 
But I think one I of the- I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that, right? Um, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, you know, codifying, there's, um, I think, a little bit, it's not quite a mandatory minimum in there, but there's things like that in here that are connected to the things that I think we can clearly say that we don't support. Right. And so it's, um, there's tension in that. Yeah, I think. absolutely. Um, mm. But so for my application, I think it's important to think about um, and understand the history of lynching um, and how that shapes our lives today, um, both in, you know, the lynchings that are still occurring, um, whether we're talking about Ahmaud Arbery or George Floyd or Sandra, Sandra Bland, mm, yeah. um, but also and in the way that history has shaped that history has shaped the world around us. Yeah. Um, thinking about the ways that lynching has shaped um, how our cities are built mm. um, or the choices that um, black folks made or, or had to make. Uh, based on that system of, of terror, yeah. um, you know, how did lynching shape the great migration? I, it, would it have happened in the same way without like, you know, the, like all of these things that um, we don't, we see the like surface, we see the things that happened, right. but we're not recognizing like what are the causes behind yeah. those things. And I think we have to recognize the, that all that stuff or, you know, thinking about the Voting Rights Act, um, that was then gutted by the Supreme Court back in 2013. Um, there's also an element of how those things are tied together, likely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this was systematic terrorism aimed at entire communities of black folks. Um, and it really changed the history of our country and shaped what it is that we're living in and existing in today. Absolutely. That's a really good context. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm still sitting here sort of stunned <laughs> about yeah. the idea that this is an abolitionist. And I know that I can recognize that it's just, it's, you know, there's a tension there, as you say, mm -hmm. right. Of this finally being this thing. Uh, yeah. But it still exists in a system and gives power to a system that uh, is troubling uh, to say the least. Absolutely. Yeah. But I appreciate that. Like what, how are, what are the ways in which, lynching has made a, a direct impact on the trajectory of our country and the decisions mm -hmm. that have been made by folks. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, well, let's talk about homework here. And I think you, you're, you sort of were in that a little bit. I want to do some yeah. work there, but what kind of continued learning we want to do after this conversation. Um, one of the things that was mentioned in the NPR article um the NPR piece talked about the scale and impact of lynching in this country. So to your point here, right. And they referenced a report by the equal justice initiative um, that has done work to document the over 4,000 lynchings in 12 States in the South from 1877 to 1950. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of wild to say 1950 um, because that really wasn't that long ago, right? My parents were born in 1951 and 1952. So I, yep. I have a sense of uh, how long ago that was. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely want to, I didn't have a chance to do it beforehand. So I definitely want to read the Equal Justice Initiative's report. If you Google Equal Justice Equal Justice Initiative anti-lynching, it will it will come up. Um, but it, it looks to be, um, it's a full-on website, so it looks to be a really comprehensive and thorough report, right? And so I'm sure there's lots that we can we can learn from it. And 
certainly, you know, not taking away from how difficult that learning might be. Um, but I think it's important work and particularly as in, in the context of your application, I think, um, there's, there's some more work and, and learning we can do. So yeah, I want to, I want to read that as homework. What about you? Yeah. Um, basically the same, um, I, okay. the equal justice initiatives, community remembrance and lynching in America projects. Yes. Um, so they tell the, the history of lynchings and, um, you know, one of the sites has a map. Um, oh, nice. Uh, so you can see the counties where things took place yeah. and, and read some of the um, the stories uh, of the people who were lynched. Um, yeah, so they, they it really tries to tell the story of the history of lynchings um, as acts of terrorism uh, and violence. Yeah, so. I think that's I think that's great. I think that's good homework for us. And, you know, again, um I want to raise up again and highlight your your application because I think it was brilliant. But I also think there are, um, there are ways in which we all should be thinking about what modern day lynching looks like. So I also appreciate that point as well. Yeah. Um, right. But we always we talk about it a lot here that we should be thinking about and learning about the history of things. So mm-hmm. um, this report, uh, I'm, I'm super excited to to check it out. Um, all right. Hey, my friend, you're up next week. Uh, yeah. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Well. I'm bringing Abolition Feminism Now to right. book by Angela Davis, Gina Dent, Erica Miners, and Beth Ritchie. Yes. Um, we talked about it uh, a little bit here um, a few weeks, I guess a couple months now, yeah. um, on the podcast. Um, but we were really talking about a panel discussion. Um, From our friends at Haymarket Books, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that the authors had. Um, and so now we're going to talk about the book. <laughs> um, so... Uh, get ready. Uh, so as a as a reminder, this uh, book traces historical genealogies, key internationalist learnings and everyday practices to grow our collective and flourishing presents and futures. Um, and it's about abolition and feminism and how those things are tied together, uh, both sort of, as as I just said, the, the history um, and development and kind of the genealogies of those things, meaning like who's done this work in yes. the past um, and how that's influencing um, the work that people are doing on the ground um, in, in the now. Absolutely. I'm so excited to read this book. I don't know if you said you can get ready as a, yeah. as a dig at me. No. I, Aaron knows I've only read like the first chapter and I keep saying, I got to get back to this. I got to read it. <laughs> so he's like, buckle up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we no, got to read it. That was, that was uh, for both of us. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, also have a lot of work to do. I love so, it, yeah. but uh, we're both uh, very excited to read this book and um, not that we needed an excuse, but this gives us an excuse to do it. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to to reading it and talking about it next week. Awesome. All right. So with that, we want to thank you for joining us today and listening to Interdependent Study. Uh, you know what I'm going to ask you to do, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with every single person in your life. Uh, Follow us on social media, check us out on YouTube, and sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. And we'll talk to you next week.